I don't think we can hide from it and run from it. I just think that we have to do everything we can as an organization to be ready for when those moments come again, that we're as prepared as possible. And I have full faith in, in everybody in that room that they that they are going to be ready to roll. Um, but the other part of that is we can't allow our focus to get distracted on, on the long run. We have to stay focused in the future because of the division we're in. If we allow our focus to slip and we're not dialed in on being at our best every day, we're going we're gonna to put ourselves in a tough spot. So that's really our major message in there right now is not to get distracted by the long run, not to get distracted by uh, uh, redeeming ourselves from the past. That is Kyle Dubas launching things as the Leafs camp is open. Welcome to Toronto today. Jim Taddy reporting for the next hour and then gameplay with Matt Cos and Al's brother. So camp is open. Uh, media day for the Leafs, medicals, all that kind of stuff going on at the Ford Performance Center. And then on the ice tomorrow and on the ice in a game on Saturday at Scotiabank Arena. Leafs against Montreal. Here we go again. So uh, slaying the dragon right off the top, of course. Uh, not all the regulars uh, in the lineup, of course, because it's the first game after a couple of days of camp. But the bottom line is you can listen to that game live here on TSN 1050. And we're told because of protocols about 1,000 fans will be allowed in, and that's a developing story in terms of you know when fans will be returning back to Scotiabank Arena for home games for the Leafs and the Raptors. Uh, provincial health people will make the ruling on that. So that's where we stand. Uh, Leafs releasing their training camp roster today. Austin Matthews, as expected, and Alex Steves uh, injured uh, in the development camp. Uh, and uh, Prospects Tournament, uh, he didn't get much in there and uh, so they're both on the IR uh, Dubas saying that Matthews uh, won't be a full participant in camp off the start he's back skating expecting to be ready for game one though of the regular season which again I'm just getting my leaf schedule out here uh, game one of the regular season is Wednesday October 13th and you will listen to that one against Montreal again at Scotiabank Arena here we go again all live here on TSN 1050 so uh, just to line up what we have today obviously a lot of serious leaf talk uh, we have Jamie McLennan stuff by in a couple of minutes or so than Kristen Shilton, who was uh, in person at the Ford Performance Center. So unlike the past where it would have been all Zoomed, uh, they were actually there. So, the, you know, better look at, at body language as well for the Leafs and, and how they talked. And I sort of want to preface because we're going to have a lot of sound in the hour. And so sometimes um, you could take shots at the sound. I don't do that. I, but I like to uh, put it in proper context. So anything anybody says is the reaction to a question. This was a Q&A. This is not somebody standing up there and, and making statements. So they are answers to questions. And, and uh, you know, I think everybody was forthright that way. There's only so much you can say after a summer off, a disappointing summer, and a regroup. And, and you know, I, I think it's more fascinating to, you know, the ultimate question would be, and it was asked many times today, was what did you learn about last year? And, and what are you going to do about it? And uh, in the case of Jack Campbell with the injury problems, uh, how would you physically build yourself up so uh, you can get ready for a full season with a lot of work to be done? Um, so that was uh, Kyle Dubas off the top talking about the, the, that moment. And, and uh, he did say, uh, he, you know, he, he has a lot of faith in the group. So this is Kyle Dubas again on how hard it is to stay in the present, forgetting about the past. For me, Josh, it, we don't carry the burden of, you know, 54 years or whatever with us. Um, a lot of the people in that room when I walk in there weren't alive then, or most of them weren't or all of them weren't. So they don't, I don't think that resonates with them. I think what I've learned about this group in the last three and a half months is that they care tremendously about, rather than proving all of that stuff wrong, they care about proving themselves and, and what they're about right. And I think 
that's the key to anything is that there's a, there's a number of teams all throughout sports that provide us a great number of examples of overcoming the things that you're alluding to. And, I, and if you go through and study them all, it's when they have, when, when that becomes a personal and, and deep belief to them internally. And I, that's what I've seen from this group in the last three and a half months, which makes me excited and optimistic about where we're going. So I like that. I mean, you're divorcing yourself from the past, and we all know the history lesson. I mean, if you don't know the Leafs history lesson, then then you haven't been in this country long. That That's for sure. I mean, you, you must have been somewhere else because it's hard to avoid this particular story. What's relevant is is they had a 3-1 series lead over Montreal as, as the favored team, and it dissipated and, and left a mark. That That's the only judgment that goes on this team because this is the first time uh, they were in a favored position to win a series. All the other ones, they were the under dog so so i've always put last year's elimination in a different category and and, and that's where we are really with that let's bring in jamie mcclennan now co-host of overdrive and and uh, former goaltender as we are well aware and of course uh, uh analyst on, on many of the leafs and sends games among others jamie how are you today sir not too bad how you doing tat man uh, let me check. Everything's good here, and yeah. all the juices are flowing because <laughs> they're back, and there's just so much to deal with here. There's there's no question ab- about that. So as as you go into your your camp sort of mode with this team, where are you? I mean, in terms of what they've done all year in the off season with the acquisitions, and certainly that that rotating battle on the left side. What what is the key point for you? Well, like you said, there's there's a couple things to unpack for me. Obviously. Um, they ended the season in a disappointment. Fan base, everyone in that dress room, everyone in that organization, and it it stings. So you you have to make it through the off season. You have to work out hard and get your mind right. Uh, you know, Kyle has shuffled the deck a little bit. He hasn't changed the core, which uh, he said that he's going to stand by that and and believes in them. So good on him. But uh, there's lots of question marks because. When you look at the left side, you know, with uh, guys like Hyman and Felino leaving, uh, Freddie Anderson leaving, those leave big holes. And those are holes of not only quality players, but, you know, quality people in the dressing room. So you're bringing in new guys to try and steal those jobs or, you know, settle into those jobs. And they have to acclimate themselves to this climate very quickly and settle into the group. So there are question marks, but, you know, I didn't think anything would be said today that would be out of the ordinary. You know, Kyle's going to say, hey, you know what, these guys know what what is at stake, and the players are saying all the right things. Unfortunately, they just have to go out and do it. And and as a, a fan and, and somebody in the media on the outside, nobody's believing anything until you see the product. You know, unfortunately, Tapman, we're, we're going to be talking about this for a long time because – they had a fantastic regular season last year. They didn't really have any bumps in the road. You know, no. for the most part, they were in first place in the Northern Division for pretty much the whole season. And then they, they hit the ditch uh, up 3-1 against Montreal, and they really they had about a, a bad week. That's really what they had in last season, but it was at the wrong time. And how do you make up for that? Well, you've got to, right from the drop of the puck, be a focus group. So that's what I'm looking for right now. You know, in a funny sort of way, and it was an altered state, you could look at last season as three games at Edmonton, three games against Montreal, and, and somewhere, because the contrast of those six games is so remarkably drastic, somewhere in between is the real story, isn't it? Sure. Now, you win, you win three games in Edmonton, and I think... 
people were very excited about that going, you know what, Edmonton's a really good team, um, but the Leafs won kind of the right way. You know, you're, yeah. you, you played well, good defensively. There's shutouts. There's three different goalies that played, for crying out loud. That's the crazy part. Like, we forgot that Hutchinson played a game in there, too. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's a good benchmark. And and in in the end, Edmonton ended up five points behind the Leafs in the standings. So, you know, you can point to that series. But there were other things throughout the season where, you know, maybe they they had some resilience or just kind of scored their way out of it or their top players grabbed the team and was like, yeah, not tonight. We're, we're going to win this game even though we're not having a game. Um, there were some positives and negatives throughout the whole season. But, you know, ultimately the, the biggest challenge is, is when – they got pushed back. Um, you know, they didn't. Their big boys didn't really respond, and that's unfortunate because you know you are going to get pushed in the playoffs. You are going to be pushed at certain situations. And I know. Listen, the injury to John Tavares had a ripple effect. It really does. You take one of the, your best players, your captain, out of the lineup in in such a. A, a jarring fashion. I don't know where you were when you were watching it. I was sitting on oh, my couch, yeah. and. I stood up. I don't know why. I'm usually a pretty mellow guy watching games and stuff. But watching that, I I stood up and kind of went for like a walk watching the TV to see how he was going to be. So I can't imagine, you know, being in that building, you know, having to battle back. And, and, and I'm not using that as an excuse whatsoever. You know, injuries happen all the time. But, you know, it was a, a jarring injury at a really tough time. And, you know, that's a voice they probably could have used in the dressing room in those last three games when Montreal ended up coming back in the series. Yeah, I mean, clearly it made everybody on the ice sick to their stomach. I mean, the pit of your stomach was, and anybody watching would have felt the same. So it had a jarring effect on on both rosters, and and certainly for the Leafs. that You know, very early in that series, that's a fork in the road. They did overcome it, but I I think I I would agree with you. When push came to shove at the end, they needed JT to help them get through those three games where they just couldn't find it. Yeah, you needed guys like that. You needed somebody... Um, and I'm not just like I, I look through the league all the time and Edmonton was in the same scenario. Edmonton was playing pretty well against Winnipeg. Like You forget they got swept, but three of them, uh, I believe, were in overtime. Like those were games that could have gone either way. And the, the one game where they were up four to one and they couldn't find a way to get it done. And, you know, leadership is a big thing. You know, been there, done that type of stuff. When you, you see Edmonton brings in a guy like Duncan Keith, a lot of that is for the room. A lot of that is for leadership. A lot of that is to settle down a, a young defensive core and a bench when maybe things are reeling. And, you know, John Tavares would have, you know, might have been that voice on the bench to settle guys down or, or dig in himself in a, in a scenario where it was getting away from them. But ultimately, you know, Tatman, we, we look at this team. Uh, we look at Matthews. We look at Marner. Uh, I'm not worried about them. I'm not worried about William Nylander or, or John Tavares. What I am worried about is after those guys. Who is going to you know, contribute to the depth of this group consistently so that it just doesn't fall on three or four guys every night? And if they don't get it done, then then they have no chance of winning. And that's where you've got an opportunity for guys like Nick Ritchie and Andre Cache and you know, uh, um, you know the left side, Nick Robertson to step up. I don't know if any of these PTOs will be worth anything. The Gusev kid is a, a pretty good player, I, I think. Uh, Hoseng is a, a storied player, but I, I don't know if he's got anything at the NHL level consistently. But the, there'll be some answers que- or some questions answered 
very soon here with training camp and how it unfolds. Yeah, I mean, the, the PTO guys, the Gusev specifically, I mean, they're not tied to the Leafs, so so somebody could offer them a contract and the Leafs would, would, don't have any say. All they could do is counter it if they want to or or just let them go. So, I mean, that's right. that's sort of a long-range thing. I, I'm interested on the left side because Kasha, you said, Richie, uh, Bunting, uh, and, and and Robertson, and, and there's others. I don't know exactly long-term where Kerfoot fits in. There, there's a lot of sort of possibilities here what is what is a, a dream scenario for you a dream scenario is somebody that finds chemistry with that top six group right away now yeah. you know we know that most of the league is in pairs so if you're looking at matthews and marner and Tavares and nylander what those guys need is a compliment a complimentary player that can get them the puck that can't be an anchor and and I know we love Joe Thornton, but I thought there were nights where Joe Thornton was an anchor instead of somebody who helped that line. And it's unfortunate, the, you know, the speed of the line was a, at a lot different pace than Joe. Joe's a thinker; he likes to slow the game down. He likes to control the puck and distribute. And you know, when you looked at uh, him playing with Austin and Mitch, especially kind of down the stretch. Those guys were at a different level as far as pace, and, you know, it, it, it didn't work, you know, most nights. They were trying to find a spot for him. So, you know, I look at chemistry early on. Like, Bunting can skate, and he's, and he's a guy who's a bit of an agitator and likes to go to the net. So is he uh, a poor man's Zach Hyman? You know, is he a guy that, you know, left-handed shot, naturally can play the left side, go in there and get the puck and, and know his role to just get, get the, the skilled guys on his line the puck? Can Nick Ritchie do that? He's a big body, and he's 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 a little bit what this team has been dying for nightly. You know, when you look at Felino, Felino's a, a class quality player. He didn't really settle in as a Leaf um, because of the injury, but you know, I look at uh, Nick Ritchie as kind of a wild card because he's big, he's mean, and he can play on the power play. He's got some hands, and 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 he can play physical and and buy some space for his line mates. So he's a guy that I circle as to could be a real wild card on that left side, depending on who he settles in with, whether it's Tavares and Nylander or if he gets a look with Matthews and Marner. You know, I, I, I'm going to go back to the left side again. I mean, sure. really looking for slivers of Zach Hyman and, and everybody. A guy who p- plays with pace, good puck pursuit, good compete level. Um, is this kind of a like a, a different version of a left-wing lock? Um, it, 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 well, yeah, I mean, from a systematic approach, what you do, I mean, left wing lock, especially in the neutral zone is just where you're forcing the puck. But I, I look at it as if that's the side, if, if your left winger is going to be that type of player, then really it's, it's how you settle in with the group because it doesn't absolve Nylander for going and winning a loose puck battle in the corner. That's still his job. Uh, John Tavares is as strong on the puck as anybody in the National Hockey League. He's he's a horse, and he wins loose puck battles all the time, and he's got a strong stick. It's it's about how that player settles in with those guys on that particular night and from a chemistry standpoint. There were nights that Galchenyuk looked like he he was all right playing with yeah. them. He looked like he had some confidence. He looked like he... Um, you know, wanted to settle in and do some grunt work for those guys. And then, unfortunately, what happens with Galchenyuk, and, uh, you know, I think the Leafs saw it too, is there were one or two critical mental errors that Galchenyuk would 
allow, allow to creep in his game. And unfortunately, it was, one was the turnover to Caulfield in overtime in the playoffs, uh, which was a, a really poor decision to to curl back and make that play. But there were other other little things that you could see that Galchenyuk had these habits in his game that they. You know, when you've got a shortened season and you pick a guy up and you put him in the minors and then have him come up, like, they couldn't really work those habits out in practice. You kind of had to let it uh, uh, unfold in the game. And unfortunately, uh, you know, that's what you're trying to find in these new players is maybe it's, you know, a little bit like Zach Hyman, but it's just consistency. I think you just want, hey, I know exactly what I'm going to get from that player every night. And, Tatman, we saw it in the off season. And I don't know if that's a slight on the league, but some of these guys who play consistent games were were paid. Like Barkley Goudreau, the Rangers, yeah. overpaid for him. Uh, Blake Coleman goes to Calgary. You know, that would be viewed as a slight overpay on term. Um, and then you look at Zach Hyman going to Edmonton. These players aren't, you know, 100-point players, but what they were is consistent players. And teams were yeah. looking for good quality people to add into their lineup that could – add to the depth of their group. Edmonton, I know, wanted that consistency. Same thing with Calgary with Blake Coleman, who's really good on the penalty kill and can play a top-six role and actually can play his offside as a left-handed shot. And same thing with Goudreau, a big, mean guy. Uh, the Rangers wanted to address their lack of physicality and lack of accountability with the teams that they play against. You add a guy like Goudreau, you add a guy like Ryan Reeves, nobody's going to push around the Rangers anymore. So that's the type of thing that they were uh, they identified and I think the Leafs are trying to identify what they need on that left side to settle in with those that top six group. Okay, let's go to between the pipes, the tandem. What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, if you look at Freddie Anderson, if you line Freddie Anderson up, Jack Campbell, and Peter Morazic, personally I think Freddie Anderson is the best goaltender if we were just looking at the goalie. But that doesn't mean anything. Freddie yeah. Anderson has had injury issues. He had consistency issues, and they were, you know, they weren't going to fit him into the cap situation as well. So, um, Jack Campbell had a fantastic kind of—I don't want to say breakout year, but a breakthrough, especially in this market. Loved, uh, uh, you know, had the streak, all of that. Very likable person. Uh, settle into the dressing room right away. Morazic's a fiery goaltender who can be streaky, but he's a skilled guy too. So, I like the tandem. I think there's going to be times where we, as a fan base and in the media, will argue as to who should be starting because either one guy's struggling or and the other guy's playing well or vice versa. But it's a good problem to have until you get to the playoffs and then one guy kind of has to run with it. But you you gotta you got to sort that out before you get to the playoffs. But I, I like the tandem. Uh, I thought if you were going to move past Frederick Anderson, Morazic would have been a good fit. Um Price point wasn't too high. The term wasn't too high. So I think Kyle did a real good job identifying what the group needed. And also it, it put some pressure on Jack Campbell because I personally don't think Jack's a 60-game starter. That's no slight on him. We don't see too many 60-game starters in the league anymore. And I, I think as a tandem, you're going to see both guys play something with a four in it, you know, 45, 48. Maybe yeah. somebody gets to 50, but it's, it's going to be a traditional tandem situation, and I think that's healthy for the Leafs. Yeah, at this point, whatever works. There's no really prescription for that. I wanted to ask you about uh, Campbell just because he did talk about uh, uh, strengthening in the offseason. So given his, his injury history, what, what would that entail, do you think? Well, a lot of it is core. So 
when you look at strengthening your core and your hip flexors and everything that comes with your body, I don't know what was nagging Jack as far as an injury last year. You could tell some nights that, you know, and he was doing a little bit of load management and stuff. Uh, you know, it certainly points to hip, groin, knee, that type of stuff, lower body injury. Um, when you strengthen that, all it does is is help you bounce back after games and, and makes you more confident in your, in the position so that if you need to stretch to make a player push hard to get there, um, you have the core to back it up. And I look at a guy like Mike Smith. A couple of years ago, I thought he was close to being done his career, and he worked really hard in the offseason on his core to stabilize his game and he had one of his best seasons last year for the Edmonton Oilers. And, and when you look at goaltenders and, and their bodies, a lot of it has to stem from the core and what they're doing uh, nowadays. So I, I think Jack Campbell talking about strengthening his body, it's a good scenario because you, if you feel strong, you're going to feel confident in the net. Uh, one other question, and this is the elephant in the room for me. I, I, I tend to make a lot out of this. You may disagree. Uh, the Morgan Riley situation. I mean, clearly, he's the number one defenseman on this team, and at some point next summer, somebody's going to decide he's the number one defenseman on their team if they're lucky to sign him, and that you know what that dollar figure is. Uh, how right. precarious is this for you? A couple levels to this, or layers to it. Um, it's precarious because you're looking around the league and you're starting to go, okay, is is this is player X a comparable? You know, where where is he compared to Darnell Nurse in Edmonton or Seth Jones or Zach Wierenski? And you know, I know some of these guys are at different stages of their career and may have a little bit different type of trajectory. But you know, Darlene just signing in Buffalo, you know, three times six. So you're you're looking at first and foremost price point on how Morgan is, how is he going to fit into your cap? Secondly, he's got Team Canada, I would imagine, on in his sights as well because that left side, I think Shea Theodore is going to be there, and I think it's kind of an open book after that with Nurse and Riley and, you know, um, um, you know guys like that who can, can really push for a, a job, but... Uh, so I'm looking at him having – he needs to have a great season so that the Leafs can play well, he can go deep into the playoffs, also earn himself a contract, and also try and play on Team Canada. So I don't know if it's a lot of pressure on Morgan. He's a fantastic person and a great leader. But, you know, there's certainly – it's certain, certainly something to track because I think he's got a lot on his plate this year as well as the disappointment uh, that everyone is living right now of, of what they went through last year. So it's certainly something to, to track all season because I think Morgan uh, uh, has a lot to play for this year. Do you think that the Leafs missed an opportunity to control this situation by not getting him under contract by now? I mean, they, they could have taken, the, the like the other guys, they could have tacked on the new salary to, to next year and not have it affect this year's cap. Uh, I yes and no, but I the only un, thing I would say is I'm not privy to the conversations behind the scenes. So, you know, we don't know if right. if they had approached him and said, "Hey, what do you think about this?" and and you know, I I think the Leafs wisely, if they are negotiating with him, it's behind closed doors that hasn't leaked, and that's uh, that's good for them because, as you know, in this market, uh, anything that goes public will be on steroids, and it becomes a distraction. And we have seen yeah. some 
contract negotiations that have been distractions for this organization the last couple of years with you know Marner and and Nylander come that's recency uh, uh, what I'm talking about but I, I think Morgan if they did try to do that and it just wasn't a fit you got to figure out a way that, to do it in the back channels instead of uh, taking it public because as we know sometimes taking it public can can be a massive distraction Jamie, thanks very much. Nice to reconnect, buddy. Absolutely, buddy. Thanks for having me. That is Jamie McLennan, co-host of Overdrive, uh, NHL Insider, analyzes Leafs and Sens games, and and man about town. Some people call him the noodler. So (laughs) I want to thank him for stopping by. So let's get to uh, what Dubas said. Uh, The Riley situation for me is is always going to hover in the background uh, if he has the success that we wish him. Uh, the price goes up. If he doesn't, um, I just I, I don't see the I don't see the doesn't happening. I, I just think he's going to have a a great season, and he's you know been very uh, patient in terms of who he's played with. They finally have the right partner for him, which makes him better. Uh, I just I, this situation scares the heck out of me for Leaf fans. Here's what Kyle Dubas had to say about that earlier today. Yeah, I just think that, you know, the the contract negotiation thing with the flat cap, there's a lot of teams that are dealing with it. There's a there there are bigger situations that, you know, with players in the league that still don't have contracts going into today. So that's a personal matter for Morgan and a private one for us. But I think every team that's trying to contend is gonna be dealing with those types of situations with the flat cap where you have players coming due and, and um you know, you wanna see where things go um throughout the year with the cap. Maybe it goes up, maybe it doesn't, but um, you know, that's the, the situation with Morgan as we did last year with our with our players that were UFAs we'll we'll keep them private until we we have to make a, an announcement on them one way or another well and you can certainly understand where he's coming from you can certainly understand for Morgan Riley he's at the age where he gets his lifetime contract and and I you know people will say hometown discount discount I don't know that that's that's going to happen here then your next question would be so what is a hometown discount is it less than eight is it more than eight and how much of a discount is that? I mean, if you're going on on the market value, you're talking about nine plus. Uh, again, this is a, a situation we're just going to have to watch. And uh, Leaf fans hope it works out. That, that, that's all I can say about it. Uh, to me, I, I would have loved this situation to have been solved in the summer with a, sort of a long-range plan, but that's just me talking from the outside. Coming up next, we'll talk with Kristen Chilton, our Maple Leaf reporter. This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, live on your radio, live streaming, podcasting, and on-demand and Apple CarPlay and Android Auto through the iHeartRadio Canada app. Take well Welcome back to Toronto Today. Jim Taddy reporting until 1. Then it's gameplay with Matthew Koss and Al's brother. Um, let's bring in Kristen Schultz now, TSN 1050 Lease Reporter. She was at Media Day at the Ford Performance Center. Everything is wrapped up there. Kristen, welcome. How are you today? I'm good, Jim. How you doing? Good. So, I mean, this was face on face-to-face as opposed to, to Zoom. So, I mean, that had to be a, a great experience for you. Uh, for me personally, definitely. It's It's nice to be off the screens and actually seeing people in person again, even if we're uh, we're still socially distanced, but it's better than Zoom, that's for sure. Uh, so, I mean, with all, all the things that are said, and, and I preface this when we started the broadcast today, I don't like to pick out what people say because they're answers to questions, so I'm not going to delete the question. Uh, I, I, what jumped off the page in terms of maybe question and answer for you? Well, I'd like to say that there was a lot, but... Not really, uh, because it's just more of the same. It's a lot more of just the same kind of refrains that we've been hearing from 
Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe and the core group of this team just saying, you know, we're, we're going to just focus on the present. We can't change the past. We're going to control what we can control. We're going to find that next level, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we've been, we heard it all throughout last season. We heard it when things uh, fell apart in the playoffs. We heard it after that. We've heard it um, just over and over again, just kind of the same old um, platitudes about how they, there's no real, specifics on how they're going to improve there's no real specifics on how things are going to be different but um, it's just a lot of we believe in this team we believe in this group we believe that things will be different uh, but it's not really at this point it doesn't I guess make a lot of sense for them to say exactly how that's going to happen because they haven't even been on the ice yet which will happen tomorrow but um, I mean, I guess some of the newsier things, knowing Austin Matthews' timeline is still on track. He expects to be recovered from that wrist uh, surgery by opening night on uh, October 13th. Morgan Riley, not much going on. It doesn't sound like on the contract negotiation front, but he's trying to uh, keep that on the back burner and not let that affect his year. Uh, and then, uh, you know, just the general mood of the team, just feeling that sense of not pressure necessarily, but just, hey, you know, we're running out of time here to kind of put, uh, you know, the wheels back on and, and try to really make a run at something. I mean, really, there is no answer to the question, how do you fix this? Because there's so many moving parts. I, I don't know exactly how to describe it. Mean, you've got four or five, maybe even six people auditioning uh, on the left side. You've got a glut of forwards. Uh, the defense is not much of an issue, and you've got a new tandem and goal. I mean, there's, there's so many plates spinning here, you know, and you're just hoping that one of them finds an orbit, right? Well, well, yeah, and that's. I think that was sort of the general message that you took away from talking to Dubis and, and Keith especially, was that there's obviously the belief, as they have said, in the group that they know, in the, the core, if you want to call it that still, um, you know, in the, the Muzzins, the Rileys uh, on defense, and then, of course, uh, the guys that you have up front in, in Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, all those guys. But it's how is this picture going to be finished? How is the puzzle going to be put together with these new players? Who is going to replace Zach Hyman? How is Jack Campbell going to fare in an 82-game season? What does Peter Morazic bring in the net? How is Rasmus Sandin and Travis Dermott as a potential third pairing going to fare in a long season? It's There's so many questions and it, it's really, but who's going to step up? I mean, you've yeah. got your young players and Nick Robertson, uh, who could potentially crack the roster. You've got some guys in on a PTO. You've got a disgruntled potentially Ilya Mikheyev. How does that affect the picture? There's just a lot of questions to answer. And here we are Wednesday. The Leafs are playing a game on Saturday. So there, these things are going to come together quickly. But right now, it doesn't serve anyone to try to say this is how it's going to look. The course of this season is going to bring, I think, a lot of iterations for the Leafs and this training camp. Even Sheldon Keefe said, I'm going to audition a lot of guys for that left wing spot on the top line. There's going to be a lot of guys moving through there. So we have, um, uh, I think there's going to be a lot to dissect over the next few weeks as we ramp up to the 13th. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at their uh, their regular or their preseason schedule. I just have it in front of me. There's six games. I mean, they they literally have like a couple of weeks, maybe two and a half weeks, to go through all those auditions and then pare that roster down so it so it fits the the roster limit and the cap limit. So I mean, we could say that they have some time, but they don't really do they. Things have to happen right away. Well, the the thing you know about this coaching staff is that they've gone through every single possible scenario of who could play where and where might this player fit and why might this work. Uh, they've had you know they've had time. They the Leafs have really settled on uh, you know a lot of their their players for at least the last month or so. They haven't made any major signings, uh, and, and so there's definitely a sense that going into the first day of on-ice stuff tomorrow, Keith has an idea of how this is going to go. But sometimes you put players together and it doesn't work. And then you try, okay, let's, let's look at this. And it seems to work for maybe the first preseason game, but then by the second game, you're not seeing that same chemistry. And chemistry also is built over time. You know, it, it, just because it doesn't work the first day or the first you know game or two, um, if there's something there, if there's a spark, I think they've got to stick with something. I thought that Keith was too quick pulling the trigger uh, on some line pairings and then too quick sometimes on pulling players apart in, in, years, in seasons past or games past. Sometimes you've got to give guys a little bit of time to find their rhythm and find their, um, you know, find that chemistry. So uh, they, do, they don't have a lot of time, but you also kind of have to go with your gut and listen to the players. And if players like, the potential that they have, you've got to give them some time to, to ride it out. So I think that the Leafs do have to be, uh, you know, patient as well as they figure things out. Don't let the pressure of a time crunch be too um, impactful on, on what you decide to do, especially early on. I mean, they have a layered approach with, with all those bodies, especially on the left side, uh, and it's, it's a sort of a methodical off-season plan, which I, I applaud. There's no other way to go about it. You're looking for people to have slivers of, of Zach Hyman in their game, and, and maybe the ensemble cast can, can replace them. Uh, but you're also looking for an instant fit, and I think you, you mentioned that, and, and I don't know where that comes from. It would be a blessing for sure. Uh, I've got Nick Robertson, and a lot of people like to say, well, he's you know he's waiver-exempt, so he's, he's easily moved, but, but somebody in that group has to jump to the front and, and that would just change everything wouldn't it well I, I think if you had an instant fit it would be great but Zach Hyman wasn't an instant fit you know yeah. he played a lot of different spots in his first season and it wasn't really until about midway through that year that really it felt like uh, he and even Connor Brown finally kind of took a hold of their positions um, on that line when the three of them played together, and but it wasn't immediate. It was there was a lot. There was Nylander was up there. You had you've had Mitch Marner up there from time to time. The first year, it, it was tough, and and it's going to be. I shouldn't say it was tough, but it's not necessarily an instant. Hey, this is perfect. Uh, let's just go with it. You you do have to. Um, I, I think try some players out and and let them know that it is an open competition. I think Michael Bunting is going to get a look there he definitely uh you know I, I could see that working i could see potentially nick Ritchie up there taking you know getting his, his reps in as well nick robertson i don't know mentally if nick robertson is ready to be a top line player i don't know if he can handle that top six uh you know position just because it's so there's so much that has to happen on a game-to-game basis there you're playing so many minutes and uh, if you really want to build something throughout an entire year, it might not serve a young player 
to step in there, but a guy who, you know, has some, you know, some experience and some, uh, just, just some more, I, I think maybe a little bit more uh, grit, so to speak, uh, just in terms of what he's been through and, and just that experience could really play a role there. So we'll see how it shakes out tomorrow. But as we go along here, I hope that people won't get too devastated by, you know, lines being broken up or different players slotting in in different places. You want to do it now so that by the time you get to the 13th, you're really feeling good about not just who you've picked for that first game, but who you could potentially sub in if you need to. I mean, really, when you when you consider the job function, playing on the left side and either one of those top two lines is, is not easily done. You have to think the same way as your center and winger do, and that's high end. You have to play with the same pace physically and, and mentally, and you have to have some skill. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of uh, working class things you have to do, but you have to be able to, to match what, what they're doing or complement what they're doing. That's not easily done. No, and I also think we, we need to get away from the idea that someone is replacing Zach Hyman yeah. because, yes, you're replacing his role, but you're not getting Zach Hyman. There's no one in that room that is going to be him, but there could be someone in there that can bring their own um, talents and skills and strengths into a position that the Leafs obviously need to fill. So, it's, yes, Hyman held that spot, and then he was their best left winger, and, and yes, you do need to go about – putting someone else into that role, but it won't be exactly what he brought. And they don't need maybe exactly what he brought because, hey, it's not as if they're, you know, rolling in cup wins with Hyman either. You know, that's that's nothing against him. That's not his fault. But you do have to adapt as a team and say, this is what we were doing. These were the personnel that we have. We don't have that anymore, and we need a different result. So how are we going to approach this? so that we can get a different result by using the players that we have. Uh, just one more before we let you go. As camps open, and obviously we saw a hard line from Columbus yesterday, vaccination talk. I mean, now it's it's clear that everybody wants to know uh, that everybody's vaccinated, and, and if they're not, who are they? And I know that Nylander said he's not fully vaccinated, but, but will be. What kind of talk was there about that today, or, or was there any? Well, it's... He had mentioned, Nylander, that it sounded like there were some medical issues that were holding up his uh, getting vaccinated. And uh, everyone else, it, it seemed, at least from our perspective, not that we saw every single player, but we didn't hear of anyone else who um, was uh, needing to be vaccinated before the season starts. So um, the, the conversation more so than on the vaccines was about just having fans back in the building and how excited um the players are to to be back in a normal swing of it and and have uh, the fans there uh, alongside them and obviously there will be vaccination regulations there but other than Nylander not much on the vaccination topic Uh, it seemed like everyone uh, everyone else we spoke to at least uh, wasn't wearing a mask so we can uh, assume that they were vaccinated. Kristen thanks very much appreciate it. Thanks Jim. That's Kristen Shilton, our Maple Leaf reporter uh, from the Ford Performance Center where the Leafs had their uh, their medicals and media session, and that's all done for t- today. On to the ice tomorrow. So just a couple of things before we go to break, and I'm just going to alert our operator, Chris, that I'm going to throw to uh, the Morgan Riley clip very shortly. Uh, so the Leafs schedule, the preseason schedule starts Saturday at Scotiabank Arena, and the update is, at, at last word, a 1,000 fans will be let in, and that's what the protocol allows. Uh, we will have that game live on TSN 1050. Uh, the Leafs season opener is October. 
October 13th, Wednesday. Both these games, by the way, are against Montreal at Scotiabank Arena. So the, the preseason opener and the regular season opener are, are similar in that they're both at Scotiabank Arena against Montreal and both live here on TSN 1050. So, again, when we talk about Morgan Riley or anybody from me, when I'm talking about them this year, I'm going to go out of my way to tell you that we're talking about the contract situation and we're talking about Morgan Riley's contract not Morgan Riley, and I did this with Zach Hyman in the summer. We're talking about Zach Hyman's salary. It's not an issue with Zach Hyman. It's not an issue with Morgan Riley. Uh, it's just the the salary and how it fits in to the cap. And here's Morgan Riley, uh, really on, on his situation in that respect, and and about him being a Leaf long term. I think you just deal with it kind of as it comes. And um, I think my approach this year with you guys is that I don't really want to discuss it publicly. Um, and, you know, to be honest, that's between JP and Kyle. And I'm just going to take care of myself. I feel great. Um, I'm prepared for the season. I totally understand that it's a question that's worth asking. Um, and I'm not trying to disregard it by any means because, I mean, I think about it too. Uh, but, I mean, I'm just going to go about my business, um, prepare for the season. I feel great. Um, and, you know, Kyle and JP will talk. You know, privately, and I'm just going to worry about what I can do, and that's play hockey and play well, and the rest will take care of itself. Is it your desire to be a Maple Leaf beyond this season, Morgan? You know, again, uh, I think you all know how I feel about being a Leaf, um, but there is a business aspect to it. Um, I'm I'm going to take care of myself. I feel great. I'm I'm prepared for the season. Um, I'm going to really focus on having a good start, and then, like I said, the rest will take care of itself. But uh, you know, being a Toronto Maple Leaf is is, is you know, it's pretty special to me, and um, we'll see what the future holds. Yeah, those are big words. And, and again, when I again when I'm throwing to sound bites is what we call them, or player reaction, I'm always going to tell you it's in reaction to a question, not a statement. So he was answering a question as honestly as he could. Uh, we'll wrap up things when we come back talking about the Jays and, and other hockey talk as well. This is Toronto Today on TSN 1050, live in your radio, live streaming and podcasting, and on demand in Apple CarPlay and Android Auto through the iHeartRadio Canada app. Now, back to Toronto Today. Toronto today, Jim Taddy reporting at 1 o'clock. It is gameplay with Matt Cause and Al's brother. So let's go over the Jays' situation. Um, they won last night, so did everybody else. So still, uh, Boston has a game-and-a-half lead. Toronto has a half-game lead over the Yankees. 4-2 was the final. Manoa, 7-2, uh, and two, allowed two runs, five hits, struck out seven walks, six. Uh, the Jays made this interesting. Romano, the reliever, has done, been so well, done so well for the Jays all season. Um, had trouble finding the strike zone, and the bases were loaded bottom of the ninth. A lot of that on walks. And almost, almost slipped away, uh, but it did not. And, you know, last night it was pretty clear that this, I call this data card gate, where the uh, the catcher, um, Kirk, was on a close play on Monday night with uh, Kiermaier of, of the Rays, and his wristband card slipped out, Kirk's did, which had all the Jays' uh, strategy on it, and Kiermaier picked it up inadvertently, he says, and uh, it hasn't been given back. And yet uh, the manager, Montoyo, uh, said that the Rays manager, Cash, apologized, and it's nothing to worry about. He apologized to me. He apologized to Pete Walker and, and Ross Atkins. So, you know, it's, you know, and again, he's my friend over there and, and he, he, he came and apologized. So, and, and it's, so it's now it's, it's, it's Agua under the bridge. I wanted to use the line, by the way. 
Agua under the bridge, of course. But you know, why wasn't the card returned earlier? And you know, if you could, you can't steal signs, but you can apparently inadvertently take somebody's uh, data card and and walk away with it and then apologize. Uh, was it shredded? I don't know. There's this the whole espionage thing where you know the Jays have all this printed uh, printed uh, information and they they shred it all. A traveling shredder, interesting stuff. And of course, Vernon Wells says if they teach the game better and study the game better, you wouldn't need cards. Uh, come on, guy, <laughs> that ship has sailed. There's cards all over the place. You know, it's a digital world, but we still rely on on paper. Interesting stuff. Also interesting, Bryson and Brooks. They had, well, they're, they're getting along, and so this is a constant thing that's just not going to go away. And uh, Bryson talking about a meal he and Brooks had. A lot of this social media stuff has definitely been driven by a lot of external factors, not necessarily us two. I mean, we had a great, we had some great conversations uh, tour championship week when we had dinner, and then this week uh, as well. I had dinner, sat down, sat down to dinner with him last night, and it was fine, and I think there may be something fun coming up here um, moving forward, but won't speak too much more on that. Follow-up question would have been, did you fight over the check? <laughs> I mean, that stuff is, is hilarious. You know, the social media stuff, um, there's this isolated incident. Do you remember the one with Garrett Cole apparently looking at the scoreboard? He wasn't looking at the scoreboard, but it looked that way. And, and so how does it look, and, and what is the reality? Uh, you know, it's, it's I don't know how to describe it. It's just not really Realistic. It takes on a life of its own, I guess, is the better way to describe it. TSN 1050 Rider Cup coverage is brought to you by your Ontario Subaru dealers. Pick your favorite Subaru at the Adventure Picking Event on right now. So that's the, we've got the golf covered. It's all, all over the place on, on the TV side as well. The Ryder Cup, an intriguing competition to say the very least. So that'll give us some time to go back over uh, the Leafs situation and again you know off the top i said and i think it's it's accurate the way you look at the leafs would be three games at edmonton three games against montreal with the series on the line and probably the reality is somewhere in between that's last year's story this year is just a totally different story i mean obviously there's some voids in the roster that have to be filled this is uh you know a, a, a game by game developments uh, and obviously saturday after just two days on the ice they're going to play so don't know what the expectations will be but you'll see you know some mixing and matching in terms of who plays on the left side uh, hitting the uh, the ice skating full blitz that game is live on tsn 1050 so the open audition on the left side you've got bunting kasha uh who am i missing nick ritchie uh you've got other people on the depth as i said yesterday i think we're looking at at uh, six guys or sorry 12 guys fighting at six particular spots that may or may not be open the question marks would be from the existing roster uh engvall McKayev and Kerfoot, and Kerfoot clearly uh, with with um, Austin Matthews not playing uh, during most of the preseason games because of the wrist surgery. They say he will be ready, but he's on the IR to start training camp, so just skating and not participating in a lot of the drills. Uh, you know, obviously Kerfoot is is very relevant to, to this team and a, and a very nice insurance policy, and, and I think the way you would describe the Leafs roster as you look at it now, it is deep. It's got a lot of uh, plan A, B, and C's, but at some point, 
Somebody has to grab the plan A. Somebody has to emerge here and find that the instant chemistry that Kristen was talking about uh, going forward because, uh, you know, obviously you can, you can wait around for a bit, but there's a window of opportunity now because when the roster is declared just before that opening game on October 13th, and I think it's the day or two before that the roster is declared, obviously some of these bodies aren't going to be here because there's too many and they're over the cap. So, I mean, you've got six games to make a name for yourself in it if, in fact, you play all six games, and, and that's not going to happen because of the glut of players. So, obviously, somebody has to grab this. And I my vote has always been for Nick Robertson. And I know I'm sort of pushing the envelope there, but, you know, his brother has had great success uh, sort of in an off-the-charts way with Dallas last year. Uh, and everybody's sort of uh, preaching the, the, the line about how he has to sort of dial it back. I, I don't think so. I think you just go for the brass ring and grab it, and, and uh, he's young enough that uh, that maybe he might have that instant spark. Well, we'll see. Many questions to be answered. Uh, coming up next, it's gameplay with Matthew Cause and Al's brothers. They go over the lines. And a reminder, CFL on TSN tonight, Hamilton in Ottawa. The Tiger Cats are, what, 3-3, three and, three and, and the Ottawa Red Blacks are 1-4. Are and four. So that concludes Toronto today. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you come back tomorrow.